0: Welcome to the Brain Health Revolution podcast with your hosts, Aisha and Dean Sherzai. We are neurologists, scientists, and authors of two best selling books and parents to two amazing humans. In a world where our understanding of brain health is constantly evolving, join us as we unravel the mysteries of the human brain through captivating conversations, insightful interviews, and thought provoking discussions. We empower you with the knowledge and tools to optimize brain function and prevent cognitive decline. From nutrition, exercise, restorative sleep, to building cognitive resilience and the impact of technology, we explore the fascinating connections between brain health and other facets of our lives. Get ready to unlock the potential of your brain and embrace a life of vitality. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. It's so good to be connected with you all again. I hope you're all having a wonderful day wherever you are. Dean and I are going to talk about something really interesting today. Uh, we are going to talk about the latest paper, the clinical trial on the MIND diet for prevention of cognitive decline in older persons. And the reason why we're speaking about this is because this paper was highly anticipated and some people are kind of disappointed with the findings. It, it,
1: it is shocking and 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 it is a... Uh it's a very volatile subject matter because when it comes to nutrition, it appears that there is a ideological war going on. I mean, let's, this is not me trying to make it exciting. It is that exciting. There is a battlefield of ideologies that's not just about nutrition. It's about lifestyle. It's about the past. It's about preservation of the past, uh, uh, fighting for the future. It's not just about greens. If you thought that this subject was just about spinach, <laughs> you had it all wrong. It's the Joe Rogans fighting the, uh, the, um, you know, the, the vegan crowd and the vegan crowd fighting the, um, the hunting crowd and the hunting crowd. Everybody's protecting their domains. And, and, and I'll tell you right now, as we're talking, I'm actually bringing my, my own biases. We're plant-based. Um, we are plant-based. And, and Aisha always as uncomfortable when I bring this up is because like, why do you always bring it up? Because it is a subject matter that's bigger than nutrition. Because if we don't get to the core of the psychology of why we are overweighing or underweighing truth, we will never make a dent into the reality. And, and my attempt every time is to kind of hold myself accountable to, to the data. And, and I'm not worried about this study. I'm not here to talk to you about the study. That's the least of my concerns. I'm here to see if we can, in these conversations, come to realization of what is driving us and how can we truly together get to a higher truth going forward. And our biases is, and I've just noticed, why is it that we always jump on papers that actually oppose plant-based diet, mm. and 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 we we talk about it. So there must be a bias there, and we'll try to the best of our abilities to hold ourselves accountable Uh, and and i want you guys to hold us accountable Um, we want to be data driven yes we have some ideologies which have nothing to do with nutrition and we'll keep it where that is that's a separate argument but when it comes to nutrition we have to stay true but um but nonetheless with this study there was an uproar in all all uh, camps um it was all over the media, in CNN, on BBC, on, on, on uh, Huffington Post, on uh, Fox TV, on, on every channel and, and publication that the mind diet uh, appeared to have failed. And they weren't talking about the mind diet. They were talking about their ideologies. The one camp that won and the other camp that lost. And it's not about that. Because the diets do matter. The diet data is quite replete. It's open to be challenged at all, but more important than challenged, it's open to be nuanced. Now we're not fighting about the truth. We kind of know the data is quite significantly on one side that saturated fat does affect, affect you. Yeah, there's some people pushing this carnivore thing and some people are pushing the cholesterol, against the cholesterol hypotheses, but all the legitimate uh, avenues say that high cholesterol appears to have consequences, both at, from a vascular component and then disease outcomes as well. But it's more now about nuance: how much, who, where, uh, and and how we make the changes. Uh, what's the degree of change? Those nuances are, are what we're talking about. So, coming back to this paper, which showed, well, the 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 media said that it failed. But even that was a lot more nuanced. than we wanted to first tell you what the paper showed and potentially where the flaws were and potentially where it was right. And lastly, most importantly, where we can go with the science together as a community, as a society, to, to shed light on the nuance.
0: Absolutely. All right, so the MIND diet um, stands for the Mediterranean DASH DASH stands for dietary approach to stop hypertension. So these are dietary patterns that were created. It's like a scoring system that were created by scientists to find out you know, how a specific dietary pattern affects health. So the MIND diet is essentially an amalgam or a combination of the Mediterranean and the DASH diet. And MIND stands for Mediterranean DASH intervention for neurodegenerative delay. It's a mouthful. And this was essentially created by researchers at Rush University, um, started about in um, um, 2004. um, And the primary person uh, was, uh, or the primary team was led by Dr. Martha Morris, um, who passed away unfortunately. And she and her team essentially looked at all of the data from the DASH dietary pattern and from the Mediterranean dietary pattern and its effect on brain health, and they combined it together and made a scoring system. Um, and they tested it on uh, participants in an ongoing um, cohort called the Rush Memory and Aging Project or the MAP, a spinoff of that. The MAP had started in 1997 and the goal uh, was to figure out how uh, diet can affect cognition and pinpointing specifically Alzheimer's disease because it's the most common type of dementia. Mm -hmm. And essentially, when you look at the Mind diet, it emphasizes certain foods, uh, plant-based foods, and de-emphasizes others.
1: Uh, Well, although it it was surprising that it had some, some things that you usually don't see as part of health food, for example, fish or chicken as well. Right, right, yeah.
0: exactly, yes. they um, the, 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 the main foods that were highlighted in the Mind Diet were vegetables, mm-hmm. berries, polyunsaturated fats, especially in olive oil, whole grains, and beans. And the unhealthy foods that were, um, you know, they were asked, de-emphasized, or uh, mm-hmm. participants were supposed to limit were red meat, fast fried foods, pastries, cheese, and other sweets. So, you know, desserts and things of that nature. And um, so the, the the main paper, which looked at the effect of the MIND diet on brain health was published in 2015. And they found out that when the participants adhere to the MIND diet, they reduce their risk of developing Alzheimer's disease by 53%. And even if there was moderate adherence, which is phenomenal, so it was not an all or none phenomenon, Participants were able to reduce their risk of developing Alzheimer's disease by 35 percent.
1: Now, the the caveat or the side story is that was a pretty robust robust study, right? It was with a fairly large and it was population. a
0: prospective study. Yeah,
1: prospective study, and and it wasn't necessarily a randomized controlled study, but prospective no. study looking at this. And 53 percent is just remarkable. You remember that this is a disease that at this point we don't have a drug that does you know uh, prevents Alzheimer's by one percent. Right, right. Uh, we just were um, uh, a drug was just approved by FDA that showed that they, it could potentially slow the disease by twenty seven percent, but but preventing fifty three percent is was just remarkable.
0: Absolutely, it was wonderful. Yeah,
1: and then and on the heel of that, there were many other studies done that also kind of confirmed and repeated the, the, this this phenomenon of lifestyle and nutrition affecting cognition and risk of Alzheimer's.
0: That's true. Yes. Um, And the way the MIND diet was different from its particular components, the Mediterranean and the DASH, was that it further de-emphasized foods that may be higher in saturated fats and emphasized foods that were high in polyphenols and carotenoids and anti-inflammatory and antioxidant uh, compounds. So they basically reduced the bad further and increased the good even more. Absolutely. All right, and and then after that, there were multiple other observational studies looking at the MIND diet, its effect on people who already have cognitive impairment, and it showed that it slowed down cognitive decline. Mm -hmm. It was shown to uh, have a protective effect in the development of stroke and in Parkinson's disease as well. So since then, there've been a lot of observational studies that look at the impact of the MIND diet on brain health and Almost all of them with good methodologies have shown benefit.
1: And even recently, in twenty twenty three, a meta analysis was was published that showed a positive effect with Medit- uh, with mind diet, uh, although not as 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 profound as the original study of fifty three percent, and 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 there was some tem- tampering of the, those results, but definitely there was positive effect in in the mind diet uh, populations.
0: Absolutely. So this randomized controlled trials was highly anticipated because it is the first randomized controlled trial. Uh, it, it, you know, it's an intervention study. So people were asked to come in to the center. They were taught how to eat or how to adhere to a MIND diet. And we'll go over the, uh, the details of that, but it essentially showed that it really didn't make much of a difference when it was compared to a suboptimal diet. So shall we go into the details? Absolutely. All right, so.
1: The devil's in the details. The devil's
0: in the details. Um, so basically what they did was they uh, recruited 604 people and the idea was to have a an intervention group uh, that adhered to a mind diet and a control group that adhered to a suboptimal diet. Um, however, um, it was it's important to note that these individuals had a BMI of over 24, so 25. So they were overweight. They also, the researchers also um, had one of the outcomes as weight loss.
1: So take this conversation as a detective story. Aisha's throwing in some clues, uh, some clues to potential um, positive effect of the study, and then also the, the clues to potential limitations of the study. So the clues usually in a study, there are three ways you can see an effect. Well, I'm oversimplifying again, but uh, in order to see an effect or in order to make sure that a study has power, what does power mean? It means that it, is, it has enough time or it has a, a sensitive enough tool or a large enough population to be able to detect the change that one would expect to detect. Mm-hmm. Now. Well, that's kind of difficult, how would you know that? Well, first of all, you will have to know the rate of change of the underlying state. Yeah. The second thing is you have to know the general population. And if they're they are very different from each other between the control and, 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 uh, um, and uh, uh, intervention study, there is a confound right there. So you might not see effect or you might see an effect and it might not be because of the intervention, it's because of the underlying differences. Let me give you something very obvious. Let's say that the intervention group is 70 and above, and the control group is 20 years old. Well, you're going to see your results, True. because yeah. the the 20 year olds are not going to change um, um, much because their their baseline is uh, um, pretty stable. Um, their their reserves are pretty filled, cognitive reserves. But the older population, if they benefit, that difference is going to be obvious. I'm I'm making one example. So the original characteristics and similarities are important. Now, a lot of times you don't control beforehand. You control after the fact through statistics because you can do more with it. I'm not going to get into details of that. But nonetheless, the characteristics of the two populations matter. Mm -hmm. The power analysis also matters on the disease process you're looking at, cognition, and you have to know the rate of decline. By the way, for MCIs, which is pre-dementia, we know pretty well. For normals, it's very difficult to know mm-hmm. the rate of decline. Right. Um, in fact, it, it's so difficult, and the confidence interval is so large that your end usually has to be pretty large. Right. So I'm giving a little clue right now.
0: Right. So you have to have more people to show a small change.
1: Correct. Um, and, and you or actually, yeah, if yeah, you have
0: if you have a small population, then you have to follow them for a longer period of time to be able to see that change.
1: Exactly. And there's a formula that you put in the standard deviation, the, 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 the rate of change, you do uh, you know, um, um, power analysis and you figure out how much, uh, what, uh, what number of people you need in one arm and the, what number of people you need in the other arm. When we did, did this study in, in Cedar sinai for the MCI population, which is mild cognitive impairment population, we said that at the minimum, we needed more than 200 people. And right. in this group, they have 300 people in each arm of normals.
0: Uh, yes, they were all cognitively normal, and they they, they went through some screening neuropsychological testing, um, the MoCA, Montreal Cognitive Assessment Test, which is a, and, which is
1: a thirty point uh, test. Yes,
0: and they were they were all able to do their activities of daily living, so ab- absolutely normal. So there were there was uh, three hundred and one um, there were three hundred and one people uh, assigned to the MIND diet, three hundred the three people assigned to the control diet. Mean age was seventy. And they were all essentially normal, but they were all overweight too. So uh, they received counseling in person and online and, uh, you know, uh, hybrid. And for the Mind Dietary Group, they were told to adhere to, you know, the the foods that are good for them, reduce the ones that were unhealthy. And in addition to that, they were incentivized by, um, you know, somebody donated, some company donated blueberries mixed nuts, and olive oil. So, so they were given. Things. Yes.
1: And and the way that they measured their adherence to the diet, which is mind diet, yeah. was by intervention of these three foods.
0: Uh, well, they were and teaching. So, yeah. So, so these were just given to them, but most of them were taught what the mind dietary pattern looked like. And, um they had you know some in person vis- uh, visitation Correct. and events as well where they were taught how to cook and things like that and so so they were very well informed however the suboptimal group also got together with uh, the counselor and they received counseling and i'm wondering what the counseling was like so when you're in a study and i'm just kind of you know discussing this with you so you're in a study you and i both go into a study okay yes. And they put you on the mind diet and they tell you these are the things you're supposed to eat. And you're going to know that this is a study to look at the impact of diet and brain health, right? And I'm going there as well. And they tell me, and so, for example, I eat a suboptimal diet, right? I eat a lot of junk food and I'm not doing really well. What are you going to tell me? Are they going to tell me like just continue what you're doing?
1: No, they actually were taught a a, a dietary pattern. So obviously they weren't told negative dietary patterns, like eat fat, because that's actually unethical.
0: So so before we go in there, I apologize. Let's kind of step back a little bit. One of the other things that they did was to cut down 250 calories from their total daily intake. So they were taught how to cut 250 calories from their total calorie (sighs) intake every single day. So they were in a very small calorie deficit both the MIND diet and the suboptimal group. So I'm assuming that for the suboptimal group, they were told not to eat too much because they wanted to, uh, for the participants to lose weight.
1: So there was already an intervention, a significant intervention. One of the most significant interventions you can do is calorie restriction, which actually brings to mind the fact that they have to control their food, they have to be aware of their food, and then they're going to know about healthy food. So there's an intervention in either way. We're assuming that the MIND diet group is given more specific, Uh, intervention. Okay.
0: Do you think that was a problem though? Why would you want to include a secondary objective in the main objective? Why didn't they just look at the mind diet and cognitive outcome instead of combining weight loss and mind diet?
1: So you do calorie restriction to make sure that people are getting the same. So actually it was the reverse. You do calorie restriction to make sure that calories are not a confound. But the problem is that when you do calorie restriction as a control, a priori control, you actually affect the whole study as well. And that's a problem with nutritional studies bar none all all across. That's that's not as much of a problem as the fact that, as you'll talk in a little bit, much more happened to the non-interventional group that kind of points to the fact that hey, they kind of got the news. Maybe they were standing, they were being taught in the room next to the mind people <laughs> because the changes are just pretty wild. So, right. So, yeah. and, and, and by the way, you're, you're right. When you introduce too many variables to control for, each control actually reduces your power. I'm, I'm misstating that. You have to account that in your power analysis, which means that you need more people to, in order to see the effect, in order to control for the other variables right, right. or account for other variables. So there's a lot of confounds already, and we're still at 300 people in each
0: group. Uh, right. I know that that really bothered you. Um, all right. So moving, moving further into some of the details, uh, we talked about the incentives that the Mind Diet group received. The suboptimal group, control group, also received $30 <sighs> gift cards at the same frequency so you know, they didn't feel uh, left out. All of the participants met five times in group sessions in three years, and uh, this was um, at a place where they had education about their assigned diets. And I'm not sure if they mingled. Maybe they mingled, or that 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 information is not given in the supplementary right. uh, notes. Uh, they were given tips to promote weight weight loss and other motivational activities like cooking sessions and uh, some games and things things like that. Um, and then. One of the things that I noticed, and it's mentioned in the paper too, the pandemic restrictions happened. So the in-person counseling stopped, and all of the counseling continued over the phone. And they they received counseling, and right after when the pandemic restrictions stopped, um, they had some people lost a follow-up, but 44 people declined to uh, get back. But they rearranged the statistics to make sure that that was you know, um, attended for.
1: But you can rearrange the statistics, but in reality, you actually don't know what kind of uh, attrition uh, it was. Was the attrition due to the underlying disease processes of the people themselves? A lot of times when you have losses, you actually include the losses in your statistics because, mm-hmm. because could the loss be because the people that left already had cognitive decline because of COVID, because of the stress, depression, and they were... People that were uh, uh, that had a proclivity for cognitive decline. So already, that in itself taints your study significantly. You can't do statistical co- well. You do, but but the statistical correction is often not able to account for the uniqueness of that attrition.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, right. So there were about twenty-four people in the mind died group and 20 people in the control group who declined to return to the office. Um, but they really don't give the characteristics of those uh, of those participants and what happened to them. All right. And then um, they also did blood tests on them um, in, a spe- in, in a subgroup of the population um, in the MIND diet uh, to find out whether they were adhering to the diet. So they checked some specific micronutrients like zeaxanthin and lutein or the beta-carotene Carotenoids to find out if they were consuming greens and you know vegetables that are good for them, and um, they they did see they did see that there was adherence uh, to the dietary patterns, but uh, the increase in the beta keratin and you know all the other chemicals were not sustained with time, uh, and for the most trial it was very modest. So and this is in the intervention group. Right, yeah. So they
1: they, they weren't that they weren't sustaining. The, the lifestyle uh, to the extent that they were supposed to
0: that, that's right
1: my question is did they test the of course they did did they test these things in the other group
0: I I don't think so no I think this the blood tests were found were done only on the um, the, the, action, intervention, the group. intervention group yes
1: which is a problem in itself because if we saw the outcomes that we saw which we will tell you hold on to the end you will tell you about the the, the 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 differences that we saw or we didn't see um then it would be good to find out if the non-intervention group also started eating healthy. And that's why, you know, we didn't see the delta, the change. Mm-hmm. Um, so they should, and by 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 standards of research, the same test should have been done on the control groups as well.
0: That's true. So basically that's what they saw. And I couldn't get a hand on, uh, on the supplementary uh, documentation to actually see whether they tested these in the, you know, in the uh, control group or not. In any case, uh, a subgroup of individuals from both groups, both the mind and the uh, control groups had MRIs as well at baseline and at the end of the study in three years. Um, And then their cognition was assessed at baseline and then month six, month 12, month 24, and 36. So they had one, two, three, four, five cognitive testing throughout the uh, period. And, um, all right, so that was the methodology of, of the pa- of the paper. And that the first thing that uh, stands out to me is the fact that both of them were given um, very clear instructions of how to lower weight or lose weight. And I believe that this may probably uh, they, this may become a problem at some time because when you're asking people to lower their calorie, you are also kind of giving them hints of how to eat healthy, and it you know the change or the difference between the two dietary patterns they become smaller and smaller and smaller.
1: And the fact that they both lost weight and that's a hard yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm going to go and, over and, the results uh, yeah, now. Yeah, and and, and, uh, and uh, it means that the two things that are the most calorie dense foods are fat. And sugar, mm-hmm. and and not plants, right? So so that's that's a that's a problem. The one other thing that we should say is that besides the mocha, they also did some other cognitive testing. Oh, absolutely, a, a more no. robust cognitive testing.
0: Mocha test was only used as a screener. Yeah. But the neuropsychological uh, testing they were quite extensive and they were validated and they were the the gold standard neuropsychological testing that we do in the clinic and has been done in other studies mm-hmm. as well. All right. So, so, so
1: the weakness was not the neuropsychological testing at all.
0: No, no, it wasn't. That's true. All right. So the results showed that both groups had improvement in their cognitive scores. As a matter of fact, when you look at the chart of um, you know how their cognition did, both groups in the suboptimal and the mind diet had like parallel lines going up. Yes. And and then although
1: the the mind diet group started at a lower level, didn't they? They did. Yeah, so this, that means that their cognition at the onset for the average was lower before this intervention. Right. And they stayed at that level, basically. They
0: did. They never crossed Correct. over the suboptimal diet. Correct. Yes. And um, so, th- so the difference between them were very small, though, right. and it was not statistically significant. Um, and you and I looked at the chart together, and it seemed, so the study started in 2017, and it ended in 2021. And there is this one part where there is a stark change uh, where the cognition essentially plateaus and then you see a small decline. It
1: looks like at the end of 2019 yeah, and end end of beginning 2019, of 2020, right. what was happening then?
0: So it yeah. could, probably could have been the the pandemic. Um, uh, so
1: we can't say that, that that plateauing is due to the pandemic, that the co-occurrence of pandemic and the plateauing. By the way, it's pretty significant. All of a sudden, this this rise stops Mm -hmm. and plateaus.
0: Yeah. Could it also be that... Uh, maybe perhaps because they couldn't do the tests in person, some of them would have, may have been modified and just doing them online could have introduced some uh, um, errors.
1: Lots of things. I mean, um, uh, the fact that uh, we know what happened during pandemic, people got depressed, they didn't adhere, uh, they they ate poorly, the tests were done online. So whatever it is, there was another major confound introduced, right? which is the methodology in totality changed.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely.
1: And probably the the environment of the people, the intervention and non-intervention people, their environment changed significantly as well.
0: Right. You know what the impressive thing is? They both lost weight. Correct. Both groups lost on average 5 kilograms or 11 pounds over over the course of the trial. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this is better than many weight loss trials. Correct. It was quite significant and it was clear that the control di- uh, the control group was making some dietary changes.
1: Yeah, I mean, for us who are involved in lifestyle programs, when we see people losing weight, it, it, it's, it's an unusual situation. Weight loss is a difficult thing for people. True. And when you see an entire population losing weight like this, and they're not the intervention group, mm-hmm. something happened to make them lose weight. Right. Um, um, so some knowledge was imparted. They also controlled themselves. There was already an intrinsic prop component of this, which was calorie restriction. Well, yeah, so yeah, they were actually
0: told and they were they were trained initially to lose weight. Um, I think from the methodology, it seems that the goal was to cut down on 250 calories per day. And so they did an amazing job and they lost all of that weight. Um, And then the MR imaging, the MRI of the brain and the subgroup um, of of the studies, both in the uh, mind uh, and the suboptimal group uh, were done. And the interesting thing was that they both had the same changes. Um, Actually, CNN got it wrong. I was looking at the CNN article and CNN mentioned that uh, you know, there was improvement in white matter lesions. There was no improvement in white matter lesions. As a matter of fact, it actually got worse over three years. Um, and, but there were some volumetric changes. The hippocampal and the total brain volumes uh, um, changed in both similarly. Um, but white in, matter in what direction uh, they decreased, yeah, they decreased in in both groups, so there was really no improvement in their brain volume or brain structure, and white matter hyper, hyper-intense lesions increased in both of them as well correct that's basically what the m r i and the results of the weight showed, and so the conclusion
1: yeah and 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 the cognitive results the, you know drum roll
0: oh the so the cognitive results were essentially the same. They both increased a bit. They increased, though. Yes, yes. they did from increase from baseline to a certain extent, but it was not statistically significant between the two uh, dietary patterns.
1: So so here's, I, I know that we should actually do the um, post-mortem uh, at the end, but let's, let's talk about it now. You mean uh, autopsy? Autopsy. Okay. When you look at 70-year-olds over three years, especially a population, I'm not talking about the individual levels. Yeah, individuals might improve. But when you see an entire population of 300 improving on the average in their cognition, that means that something, there was an intervention to improve towards improvement. Mm-hmm. Something happened that they improved their cognition. It wasn't just a, a, a normal course, it wasn't a control. There was nothing controlled. Something was uncontrolled. Let's just, that's exactly right. Something was uncontrolled where the baseline population actually, 300 people, their average cognition improved. Mm -hmm. So that in itself is a massive confound, massive problem that has to be addressed. How did that happen? How is it that they both lost weight? How is it that they both actually gained cognition? In fact, the mind diet group improved better. Mm -hmm. Their cognition improved better. It's just that the, the difference between the improvement in the mind diet and the improvement in the baseline wasn't big enough to be considered significant. So, so a lot of people said it's a failure. Well, no, actually, both were successes. Right. Both an average successes. population of 70-year-olds that you follow over three years, you see decline. Bar none, you see decline mm-hmm. unless there's an intervention. Uh, and 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 uh, by definition, you're not supposed to have any intervention in the control group. I know what happens, but but that means that there was uh, some seepage. There was some um, overflow of information somehow. Uh, there was some introduction of bias somehow uh, where the control groups were also doing some things to improve their cognition. And they improved, but the mind diet group actually improved further, cognitively speaking, but the difference wasn't significant. The way you look at data and statistics, it's not just delta. A A priori, beforehand, you actually make a decision because then you don't... This is the beauty of science. You make your rules ahead of time, and then you don't change them. Well, some scientists do it, but the good scientists actually don't. One thing, when I was working with Dr. Frazier at Loma Linda, he was extremely annoying at the time when I was working with him because he would make the decision ahead of time, and he would say, as a scientist, after the fact, you can't make changes Mm -hmm. uh, because then what you do is fishing expedition. Right. And then, oh, this variable didn't work, so let's throw another variable and another variable until you get your results so you can publish your paper. Um, but um, and, and in this case, you saw that there was a, um, a significant introduction of, of some kind of data that improved even the non-intervention
0: group. Right, yeah. So the improvement was comparable. They, were, they both improved. Um, and, um, I think, like you said, the control group was not controlled very well. Correct. Um, all right. So can okay, I ask a question? Sure.
1: But so there definitely was a difference between the two groups as far as cognition is concerned. The only thing was that the P value did not reach point 0.05. Let's say, and you, the way you do that is you set that ahead of time, you set your P value ahead of time. You set your confidence, well, confidence intervals and all that ahead of time saying that, uh, and 90% of people you would see a 10-point difference. That's how you did the power analysis as well. Uh, ahead of time, you say, in 95% of population, this would not be by luck. Mm-hmm. This would be a reality. And it would be 5% that it would be by luck. And that's the way statistics happen. And, and in this case, uh, we didn't reach that 0.05 yeah. significance.
0: That's exactly it. When you look at the table... Um, the p-values were uh, way over 0.05, and that's why they, the statement was that there's no statistical uh, statistically significant difference between the cognitive scores of the MIND diet compared to the suboptimal diet.
1: So my conclusion is that although I'm going to try to be non-biased, I started the conversation by saying that I am aware of our biases always. We're always going to throw it even at the point of exhaustion and, and, and um, redundancy, But it's important. Literally, as scientists, nothing is more important than to start with your biases. Of course. Uh, Repeatedly, exhaustively. Uh, Not like those talk shows or podcasts where they just throw a fact and nobody weighs the (laughs) fact. And We have to weigh the fact. And we have to weigh our own facts and our own biases. Having said that, though, I see a lot of flaws in this study. Okay. Uh, the power analysis does not compute for me. I it think doesn't that's, make sense. that's the big problem. Man. Then the loss of forty people, and then you did a statistical analysis to correct for it. You can't because you don't know the nature of the people that were lost. If they had some, uh, 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 they had some cognitive decline that was the cause, and there was a systematic difference between the losses in one group versus the losses in the other. I mean, that's that's just basically it. You can't, especially when your sample is so small.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We think that even though the cognitive tools were robust, it might not have been robust enough because when you're looking at normal people and tests, there's a thing called ceiling effect where at the top, you can't see the difference. Your tool is not sensitive enough to see the difference. Mm. So that might have been, although that's at least of my concern. Right. But the third thing is the duration. Although three years seems like a big, long study, mm-hmm. but for 300 people, normal people, who were pretty healthy to begin with and they they, they became even healthier, both of them, to see a difference in cognition in a significant way over three years might not have been long enough. Mm-hmm. But of the three, I would have focused on the, on the number,
0: mm.
1: on the N, on the sample sizes. I would, and I think if the power analysis would have been done, it would have been closer to 1,000 in each arm. Of course, I'm just throwing that. But I'm not com- just completely just throwing it out of the air because we did power analysis. We've done studies. We've done clinical trials. We did a lifestyle study that we started in Cedar sinai and we did power analysis, and I I truly think that they weren't even close to the numbers needed to truly detect the difference, um, especially with so many confounds in the in the picture, and then throw in the middle of all this COVID, right? And so I don't think we can take this study um, uh, as as a meaningful negation of what we have learned to be that mind or mind-like diet which is more uh, filled with plant-based products reduced uh, processed foods and saturated fat has repeatedly been shown to be positive this one study which seems to be quite flawed cannot negate that if it if more of it comes that's fine that's science we accept it we 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 thrive in it and we 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 go forward but i think this one flawed study should not be a an argument against an entire field and and um, mountain of data that, that speaks to the healthy nature of a mind or mind-like or Mediterranean-like diet. Amazing. Or plant-centered, plant-predominant diet.
0: That's true, very true. I think um, <clears throat> the biggest takeaway for, for, the, for me is... That um, people who are over age sixty-five, if they change their dietary pattern and if they lose some weight, if they're overweight, they can definitely improve their cognition overall. And whether it's the Mind Diet or any any diet, you know, you can actually start changing the way you think and the way your brain works with uh, dietary changes. And I think that's a phenomenal news. That's a very empowering news. Yeah. Do you think it's um reasonable to say that there are many ways to eat a healthy diet uh, just based on these findings. Do you think that the, the crown that the mind diet was given is losing its, uh, is, it's, losing its shine and luster? And uh, do you think that even if we make small changes in a regular, you know, dietary pattern that we would see the benefits? I think, uh,
1: to me, it never had that much of a shine. I mean, I think parts of it seemed a little silly to me, but it's okay. We start with blunt mechanisms. Science is never perfect, but it's getting us to the moon. It's getting us to Mars. It's getting us um, communicating across uh, uh, the planet in, in the small imperfections, but with the system that corrects. We're, it's fine with mine. I would mind that would out of the fruits they picked one fruit, uh, the berries mm. um, uh, and then adding chicken and, and that came out of left field that, that there's no evidence of that being beneficial. The fish was reduced mm-hmm. um, and we always say that fish seems to be healthy although we don't eat it for many other reasons but uh, you can get your omega from other directions, but fish was, is healthy and 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 so that's that's the part. And then the rest was mostly just plants right Lots that's of true. plants just eat lots of plants yeah I think the ultimate diet's not going to even be a ultimate diet. It's going to be a cleaner diet um that's made for you. Now, I don't want to open the door to the functional medicine people like uh, 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 what is they what they was it they say um, find it in yourself or you know yourself best or things right. like that, which are some, actu-
0: some some person actually, I don't want to take names said this is the time for us to rely on our body intelligence. I was like, what does that even mean? Yeah,
1: you're intelligent. Your body's not intelligent. Not in the way that they want to actually grift. Uh, this is not about uh, disempowering you. Yes, we should know our bodies. We should learn. We should know data and, and things of that nature. But, um, uh, but but to leave it open to your senses to eat this and that, uh, that's just chaos. That I, could, I, I would love to get into be diff- a difficult. beautiful, civilized, Data-driven debate on that is how do you measure your metrics and how do you create public health movement around that statement? Mm-hmm. But- Whenever you can't create a public health statement in a world where um, there's such disparity between population to population, where forty-year-olds in one population are having strokes and 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 dementia and, and in in their fifties and sixties, and it's all about lifestyle, and we know this. Making a statement like you know it's about your body is not a public health statement. It's a grift. Mm-hmm. Now, finding the right diet also is not about just complete restriction and time restriction and this and that, but it means that we know, increase the plants, reduce the processed food, reduce the saturated fat, reduce the sugars, do it in a way where you can do it. That's that's simplistic, but yeah, do it in a way that you can do it. And there's a lot of habit mecca tools that, that can give you measurable, meaningful, quantifiable, reinforceable behaviors. That can reduce the things that need to be reduced, and and then it will adjust to you, and 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 you'll do better and better, and you can go in that direction. And in the near future, we will actually even do even more nuance about your addictive. I'm I'm doing an entire book almost about dopamine, which has been overused in in, in social media now. But the way that our behaviors are 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 moving us, are controlling us, uh, are uh, and we are controlled with little like marionettes. Um, but by, with certain, certain behaviors, we can actually make those changes. And that's becoming more nuanced. We're beginning to learn more about it. And we can give people the power to n- know their own environmental variables that makes the difference. Mm-hmm. But um, at this point, um, to still have fights about you know, the diet, yeah, I guess we're going to do it. And it's our job to kind of distill and negate and fight back. Even, you know, we, we, we again, uh, to your dismay, I'm going to bring it up. We are plant based, but where there when somebody is wrong in certain ways, we will we'll speak about it, and uh, and we will speak to the fact that there's many ways to get to our health, and but you have to do it in a measurable, systematic way, um, and you have to do it in a way where you can uh, throw away words like moderation, and instead measurable changes that truly make a difference in your life. Um, I thought that this was a great paper to kind of do a little bit of a deep dive into research. I was the, I taught research to residents in Loma Linda and, and, and other places. I loved getting into the nuance of things. Yes. Um, and this was a great paper to get into that nuance.
0: Absolutely. And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us today. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to stay up to date with future episodes, please subscribe and follow our podcast on Apple or Spotify and watch the recordings on our YouTube channel. We would appreciate you supporting this show with your review as it helps it reach more people. We look forward to connecting again in the next episode.